right. Welcome to the final episode of this season on Wellness Wisdom Podcast. As we stand at the threshold of a new year, it's time for reflection, renewal, and rejuvenation. Many of us embark on a journey of setting health and wellness goals for the new year, hoping to make positive changes in our lives. But we also know that the road to achieving these goals can be paved with challenges, including procrastination and the loss of motivation. So today we're joined by a panel of our dedicated holistic health coaches, each with a unique perspective on how to overcome these hurdles and turn health goals into lasting habits. We'll explore the psychology behind procrastination, strategies for setting meaningful goals, and the science of habit formation. So if you're ready to kickstart your health goals for the new year and make them stick, stay tuned for an episode full of insights and actionable tips. I'm Shannon Spears, your host, and together with our esteemed health coaches, we're here to guide you on your path to wellness. Today we have with us Bobby McGrath, Kathy Riley, Jane Phillips. Welcome, ladies. All right. Of course, we have our medical disclaimer, as in the beginning of every episode. The information that you hear here today is for educational purposes only. Before you make any changes to your health and lifestyle, please have a conversation with your primary physician. The science of habit change. It's pretty deep. It's fascinating. It offers valuable insights into how our brains form those habits. And understanding things like habit loops, involving cues and triggers and routines and rewards can help people reshape their habits, right? So I want to talk about some evidence-based strategies for rewiring the brain to create and sustain new and healthy habits for our listeners. Um, I think we really need to start out with is talking about what are habit loops, right? So with habit loops, the brain's always searching for these efficient ways to get things done. A habit loop forms as the brain cycles and stores all the incoming information so it can simplify the tasks that everybody is going through. By performing actions the same way frequently, the brain hardwires information about our responses. This is what's called a habit loop. They're essential to how we function in life. No matter what, they're going to happen. For example, you know, making a performing task such as making coffee in the morning right? You get up, the first thing you do is you head to the coffee pot, you make that pot of coffee, that becomes a habit. And so you can literally do it while your brain is not awake yet and functioning, okay? So for all of you wondering how you can do that, you know, and it's always don't talk to me before my coffee, it's because of the habit loop. (laughs) The brain hardwires stress responses when people react to certain stimuli in that same way. Okay, so this creates things like anxiety loops and negative feedback loops. So even if a situation isn't serious, the brain is picking up on signals from the body and sets all these system defenses into motion. And that's how those anxiety habit loops are formed because individuals are consistently overreacting to stressors. Even if you think you're not overreacting, your physical body is. These habit loops can help our brains manage massive amounts of information that's coming in every single day. It's really the brain's way of providing a set response to that overwhelming amount of stimuli. Okay, That's what the efficient self-regulating system should do on a daily basis. But that doesn't mean that it always creates the best outcomes. That's where our negative habits come from. This is why our negative habits are so hard to break. So real quickly, I just want to tell you about the three elements of a habit loop. 
it, there's a cue. The cue is what triggers the habit. There's routine. The routine is the habit, okay? The cycle of behavior that's prompted by the various cues. And then when you have rewards, that reward is the thing that makes you repeat the actions because you desire a certain outcome. This is also referred to as that dopamine hit. So kids who are playing video games all the time, kids who are, or even adults who are scrolling through social media, the drug addict, the food addictions, the gambling, these are all habit loops, but they're negative habit loops, okay? Because your body's getting an instant reward um, or what you have determined is gonna be an instant reward. Those positive cycles decrease stress and exhaustion by helping people develop these effortless, effortless if I can spit that word out, <laughs> routines every day. But those negative habit loops can have detrimental effects on our health because of the amount of stress that our body is going through. When you're looking at your and changing your habits and setting goals for the new year, it's important to understand the triggers that create these habit loops. So it's always going to be one of the four, either emotions, which is the biggest one for creating habits, people, which is the actions of others influencing you, time, time generates a lot of habit structures, right? I have to do something quickly, right? And the place. Spaces are very, very powerful cues for individuals, especially for those with traumas, because your body will automatically start reacting to things that have happened in the past. So once you understand how habit loops work, it allows your brain the neuroplasticity to actually start changing. You can change it. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You really can't. It just takes knowledge and that time that you're going to allow yourself because these things aren't going to change overnight. So who else has some information to kind of pop in here now that we know what a habit loop is? Listening to all that, Shannon, makes me realize it's kind of overwhelming what's going on in our brain and we don't even know that it's on autopilot, right? And I, yeah. I'm sure you guys have been on autopilot sometimes where you didn't even know you were on autopilot and you realize it and you're like, wow, I, I just went from here to there, or did this or that and didn't know I was on autopilot, which autopilot is a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Because autopilot can make you be not be present. And one of the things when I when we decided to do this topic, um, I had done a little research for a webinar I was doing, and I found that in uh, a study in psychology today showed that we actually make the average person makes thirty five thousand decisions on a daily basis. And I kind of had to check myself because I thought, is that just a typo? Is it thirty five hundred? And it's like, no, it's thirty five thousand. So if you think about that, you know, the pace of our life with technology and, and the speed, everything's about speed. How fast can I get this? How, you know, how fast can my package get here? How fast can I get from this place to that place when traveling? And we get decision fatigue, which actually I looked up the de definition and it's um, the mental and emotional strain resulting from having too many choices. And so going back to what you were saying about habits, Shannon, is sometimes there's you hit a place where you kind of need to be aware. And what you were talking about is just awareness with habits. And one of the things that I looked up was the four top signs that you're struggling with decision fatigue. Um, and we can look at it for ourselves, but we can also look at it um, in our own homes with our spouse or significant other and our kids, like when they're displaying these. And the number one thing was procrastination, which we all know what that is. I will do it later. That's a decision fatigue. You know, somebody's just not ready to make a decision. So you kind of have to sift through the, you know, part the weeds and say, what, what is it that's keeping them from making that decision or moving forward? Um, impulsivity is uh, 
when you get to a place where you just say, just pick something, just, just get this over with, get this done, move on. And it's impulsive because you, you don't want to make a decision. So you just make something to, to get, get forward. Avoidance is I can't deal with it right now. So I'm not going to make a decision. And then indecision and indecision is probably one of my hardest things working with people or just relating with people when they may don't, they can't make a decision. And that to me really, now that I'm more aware, real, I realize that person is really under stress when they're consistently not able to make a decision and they, or they just can't say no. One of the number one things that I'd like to make sure that I work with clients on when you even begin kind of a, any type of habit changing, health coaching, a program, a routine is making sure you stay in your circle of influence or your center of where you can have I don't like to use the word control, but it is. It's it, you can control all of the things that you do, like how you speak, how you react, your routines and things like that. But you can't control all around your circle, which is how people react to you, you know, all the different things that you have no control over. And I've got a great graphic that I would love to share. Maybe we can pop that in someplace for the, the listeners and the watchers. Um, but making sure you're staying in your circle of control is really kind of where that decision fatigue can get better in the routines, which we're going to talk a lot more about. I know Jane and Kathy have things to talk about with that routines and stuff like that for today's podcast. I, was, I would like to add one quick thing to that um, from some of the research I've done too, Bobby, is the, the earlier in the day, you know, you haven't made 35,000 decisions, you know, in the first couple of hours of your day. So the more good decisions you make at the front end of your day, the easier it's going to be for you when you get to the end of the day. Because once you get to four or five o'clock, you're done. You don't want, you can't make any more decisions. So make those important, especially health decisions earlier in the day. And, you know, like we were talking about, you know, you can make your coffee, you know, completely out of it, half asleep. So put your, you know, your, you know, your supplement or, you know, your protein shake or whatever, you know, you want to do that, that important step that you want to do right next to your coffee so that it's there and ready for you to go for the next, you know, the next step of the, the process in the morning. Yeah, those are actually, those are fantastic tips, Kathy, for sure. And I want to talk about some, a few evidence-based strategies for rewiring the brain and those will help you create new habits, right? So, and also sustain them. So what we're looking to do is, attach a new habit or behavior to something you already do, like like uh, Shannon was talking about, like Kathy was talking about with the morning coffee. And it goes one step further. Okay, you've got your morning coffee. And then you will go on while that's percolating or whatnot, you would do, do a little bit of meditation. It's quiet time of day for most people. And you may very well be easily uh, carve that out in your time, right? Another thing that I have are some really good resources called uh, the book, Tiny Habits. And that has been fantastic for me personally. I often recommend it to my clients. It helps you gain clarity about what you want to do and how you'll do it, right? So kind of get your creative juices flowing, get your thoughts uh, running on understanding how you think and what to do about your thinking and how do you become more efficient in your thinking and bring forth good things with that. Right. So those are really good habits. I always have my clients remember their why 
which is a personal motivation. Uh, it can t- be tied to personal goals, values, important aspects of life. Uh, oftentimes my clients will say, well, I'm doing it for, I'm, I'm improving my health for my grandkids and whatnot. That's all well and good. And it's a really great why, but you want to have also something for yourself. Your intrinsic motivation needs to be there, right? And so all those things roll in together so you can just uh, start rolling and start simple. That's that's the main point. Start simple on whatever it is that you plan to do. And I want to offer two simple ways to rewire your brain on a daily basis that basically anybody can do. One is to, you can brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand. It may sound funny, but what it does, it opens up different uh, synapses and pathways. It's called neuroplasticity. So your brain is more elastic and more able to uh, kind of like tickle those neurons, right? And so another one is also to just take an, an alternate way to work or uh, running errands too. So it just, it mixes things up, makes life a little bit more fun. You know, it's funny because you wouldn't, you don't necessarily think about those things rewiring your brain. Right. But yep. when you do it, like I've, I've done that before. I've tried to brush my teeth with my left hand. I'm right-handed. Yep. And I cannot believe the amount of difficulty it is like writing is one thing, right? Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of and specific movements with writing, but even just picking up a fork or a spoon to stir your coffee with your left hand, if you're right-handed or vice versa, picking up a fork to eat that way, you know, and we don't really necessarily realize that until like maybe we break our hands that we mostly write with, right? Or drive with or pick things up with. So it's crazy, but that's why I've always, like, I've noticed that um, a lot of research has been on those who are ambidextrous, who can do things with both sides. You'll see them react and and have conversations that are deeper because both sides of their brains have been opened up. They've been tested. They've been they've been working the whole time rather than just somebody being just a, a left sided brain or a right sided brain. So um, that's that's just obvious evidence to what neuroplasticity can do and how much of the brain we haven't yet tapped. Yeah. You you were talking Mm -hmm. about autopilot earlier. You know, it's like how many times have you been driving down the road and you drive past where you were intending to go? Yes. It's like because you're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't even remember getting here. How did I get here? That was interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about procrastination. We've mentioned it a few times. You know, it can often stand between us and health goals. It's a behavior that's obviously rooted in psychology, right? And it's generally triggered by fear, perfectionism, the avoidance of being uncomfortable. And there's a saying that I was always taught, get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. That's the only way you're going to make changes, right? Um, And we tend to delay action, taking action when faced with any types of uncertainty or when the task seems really daunting. But it is essential to understand that procrastination can be overcome. Many times, even as health coaches, I have found, I'm sure all of you have found as well, our clients seem to have this amazing thought process that we are perfect in every way and we've never gone through any struggle, right? There's been conversations that come up with me like, oh, well, but you wouldn't understand that, I'm sure, because, you know, you're skinny, you know, I'm sure you haven't had to lose 30 or 40 pounds. And, and I have the conversation with them going, 
it doesn't matter if someone is losing 10 pounds or someone's losing 50 pounds. The habit changes are the same. The struggles emotionally, the struggles that are going on inside the brain are still happening. They're still the same. We, we all have those struggles. Generally, that's the, the biggest thing. Procrastination is that first hurdle of setting a health goal. If you can get through that procrastination, you really have the major part of that, that struggle won. In health goals, it's always, almost always the unknown results, the fear of the unknown results that are going to happen. Like if I do this, am I going to get the result that I desire, right? If I do this, how long is it going to take? And I know for me with clients, it's always been that conversation of you didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get back to where you want to overnight. You know, these things are, they're just going to happen. You know, in my personal story is, you know, I have obviously being a health coach, like I know the things that are going on with my health, but we get so busy, obviously running a business and, and every entrepreneur does the same thing at one point or another is that, you know, we just get so busy running a business and as women, we always like to serve other people first, take care of ourselves last. You know, we tend to pour from an empty cup, right? Um, and for a while I was just chugging along. I knew some things were going on, but it was that procrastination of, yeah, but if I have to take time to work on myself, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to put as many hours in, put as much energy in. I'll have to lower my client load, you know, and I want to help as many people as I can, right? And it all came to a head last October, November, when I could barely get out of bed in the morning, you know, and just my mood was off the wall and, you know, just things weren't making sense. But I almost, I was almost positive it was my hormones, but it was that fear of, I don't, do I want to know what's going on or I'll just do things that I know will help increase my hormones, right? And so it worked for a little bit, but then, you know, your body can only do so much with some of these simple at-home type of things, right? And so I finally got my hormones tested properly with a Dutch test and it came back and I'm, you know, someone who's 46, still cycling normally, not in menopause, yet my hormone levels showed like I had been in menopause for 10 years. They were absolutely on the bottom floor. I had no more go-go juice. I was done, tapped out, you know? So it was a hard reality for me to face. And then to be able to reach out to close friends, um, practitioners and doctors that I work with every day and say, I'm in trouble. Can you look at this test? And I remember a conversation with um, a doctor, Todd, that I work under and his reaction is, um, yeah, we got, we got some big problems going on, but um, you're gonna make it through this, you know? And so having a support team for your goals, whether it's a health coach, whether it's a practitioner, whether it's friends and family that understand how this is affecting you and where you want to go, you know, that's going to help get you through a lot of those moments of procrastination, realizing what hurdles may pop up and those hurdles that could potentially stop you and preparing for those when they do happen. Even if it's like telling somebody, like I would tell my husband, my biggest hurdle is going to be staying on task with taking my supplements. And so he was reminding me twice a day, did you take this? Did you take this? And even on those days where I was like, oh, I'm just tired of taking stuff. I don't want it. And he'd be like, nope, here it is. Take it. You know? So like just having that on board and, and now I'm nine months into it and I feel like a brand new person, you know? I mean, it's been a huge journey. 
but I had to get through that procrastination, even as a health coach, I had to get through setting my goals. I know all of that. So, yeah, I had, a, I've had a similar situation. Um, I'm fully into menopause at this point and my weight kept creeping up and um, I just couldn't stand it anymore. Um, but it took me a couple of years to really address it, even though I knew what to do. You know, we all know what to do, but doing it's another another thing. So I finally, you know, was able to put my foot down, um, get rid of the gluten and dairy again, like which I had done before when I was really sick about 10 years ago. And um, the weight's been falling off. I, I mean, it's wonderful, you know, that I can actually get into my smaller pants again. And I don't look like I'm eight months pregnant at 50 something years old. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it does, but you do put it off for quite a while until you just can't stand it anymore. So it's kind of like when, when I was sick 10 years ago, you know, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're going to get off your tail and do something about it. And having that accountability, having friends and family who are cheering you on is definitely, you know, a huge, huge help. A hundred percent. That's for sure. I, I completely agree with you as far as support, because I feel personally for me, when I am aware that I'm procrastinating, it's always rooted in fear, always. And so I would ask people when you feel that sensation, I'm procrastinating and being aware of it, dig a little deeper. What is it that's keeping me from making that decision? And then you know, maybe do the worst case scenario situation. What what could be the worst thing that could happen? And I know for me personally, when I became a health coach and started really getting um, educated and, and after you become a health coach, it's not like you know it all. You have to constantly be educating yourself and then finding the areas that you enjoy the most. And for me was toxins. And little be known to me, I was actually getting exposed to mold and got incredibly exposed to mold and became really sick. And at that point started putting the puzzle pieces together and got really scared. Like, gosh, I'm really sick. And not only am I sick, but I got to figure out where I'm getting exposed. Then once you find that out, then you have to decide, do I move? Do I clean? Do I, you know, what do I do? How bad is it? And so there was all of this going on in my mind and I still had to go to my significant other, my husband, and be like, hey, I really think this is a mold issue. And we I, we got to jump on it and get on it. And he, thank the Lord, was, you know, didn't think I was nuts. He agreed that he could tell that my health was not well. And he was all in with trying to figure it out. And we remediated, which a lot of people don't. We had a lot of help with that. And we were successful with it. And I am still battling it and coming out of it. But I can't imagine if I would have continued to procrastinate and not turn over the stones as I tell my clients. I'm like, you have to go open that dark room, that door, and at least open the door, right? Look inside, flip on the light and decide, do you have the resources? Do you have the support to, to move forward? And if the answer is no, then you need to go find that resources and support or figure out a different way. Cause that, you know, sometimes opening that door and turning on the light could be the difference between you making huge gains in your health or staying stuck. And I didn't want to stay stuck. I did not like where I was at all. Right. Absolutely, Bobby. I can completely relate. Not so much to the mold issue, but just, you know, just having that, getting out of the dark and into the light. And in my particular situation, I had a lot of digestive issues and they really impacted my daily life. 
and I pushed through. I poured every ounce of energy toward my family, uh, more or less ignored what was going on for me, uh, powered through my days. And so I did that instead of carving out time to do more of a deep dive into what was going on. And, uh, you know, of course I had gone to get all those tests and everything, standard medical care and everything. And coming home, feeling dejected and with no answers, no plan. I, I got to a point where I had enough I, and, and I started looking and searching and putting more energy into everything and finally connected with some great resources and people. And so it's been great ever since. And so I think it's just a matter of being open to both modalities, whether it be conventional medicine or, um, you know, holistic, just, just be open to it. And, uh, you, 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 it's a win-win. You can really make some positive changes that way. Absolutely. You know, many times I think people think it's all about willpower when we're achieving our goals, right? Like we've heard that so many times, always in January or February and people start dropping off. They've done 30 days at the gym and now nobody's at the gym for the month of February. Right. And you hear people talk about willpower, um, and that it wasn't strong enough. Like it's just that old school thought when it comes to setting health goals though, I think people don't set a strong enough. Why? You know, um, you can set a why. People set whys. Well, I want to do this because I want to be around for my grandkids, right? But that's not a why that is set for you necessarily. It's more an outward goal that is set. Like it takes a lot of deep thought and deep internal soul searching to decide what that why is that's really going to be strong enough for you. Um, and setting smart goals. We've talked about this on a previous episode, right, Jane? Um, they have to be specific. They have to be measurable. They have to be achievable, relevant, and time-bound. That's what we call SMART goals. Um, and those are rooted in our personal values and motivations, not outside motivations, not other people's motivations, but inside in our personal beliefs and values. So how can our listeners identify their deeper internal motivations for pursuing their health goals? Jane, you want to start us out? Sure. Uh, this is just a simple one. So you really, again, in tying in what Shan is saying, find that intrinsic. So we have intrinsic within and extrinsic is something you don't really want to go to because it's outside influences and stuff like that. They can be helpful to some degree, but ultimately it's what's within you. You know yourself best, right? So in doing so, you want to look for activities that you generally enjoy and that bring you a sense of fulfillment. So you have to decide what it is that you like to do and and how fulfilled you are with those. And I think that goes a long way to, um, you know, make, having you want to do it, feel good about doing it. You'll want to do it. Absolutely. Kathy, what are your thoughts on that? And I think we mentioned this a little while ago, we were talking about the whys, you know, and, and really digging into, um, there's a, 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 a way to get to the, we call it the five whys. And you mm -hmm. dig deeper and deeper into why you want to improve your health. It's not just about losing weight or playing with your grandkids. Like you were saying, you really have to dig deep into why that is. I mean, um, you know, for longevity, you know, do you want to be that um, elderly person who's in a wheelchair or has Alzheimer's or, you know, I mean, there's got to be a deeper reason for yourself to take on this challenge because um, it truly is a, it's got to be an act of love for yourself 
And um, so if you don't know why you're doing it, you can't can't uh, proceed and, and stick to your goals. So I think, you know, digging into the five whys and figure out what really makes you tick and what makes you want to improve your health is really important uh, for the long-term goals. I've got an exercise that can help people. It's not always, it's not really grounding into your why, but it helps kind of just get to the bottom of a, finding a starting place. And so if people want to take out a pen and paper or something like that, um, you you have to take some time and you have to be honest with yourself, but you can sit down and start with the first question, which is what is your biggest time suck in your life? Um, and this is getting to a point at the end. So you sit down and you, you kind of just write down the things that really suck up your time. And some of it you have to do and some of it you're choosing to do, right? But you, you need to figure out wh where is my time going in my day? Writing down like what you do uh, for a week and, and how much time you spend in it. And then what do you want to stop giving your energy to? What are the things that you really, really know that they're not serving you anymore? And then what are the things, write these down, what are the things that you want to give more time and energy to? I know when my kids were little, I wanted to be on the floor with them more and reading books and playing on the, you know, doing the puzzles and things like that. But where was I? I was in the laundry room. I was, you know, doing all of the things, having this beautiful kept house, but I wasn't playing with my kids enough. And so it was kind of like one of those things where I had to figure out a way to stop doing some of that and let the dishes be. Um, the other, the third thing that you can do is, um, are there boundaries that you need to set or make firmer? Some people just don't have boundaries. They let everybody roll over them and they're the yes person and they'll help everybody kind of, I was a pleaser doer. Can, how can I help you? When really I should have been like, you know, no, that doesn't work for me at that time. I'm going to work out in the morning and I want, I'm going to protect between eight and nine o'clock or whatever, but I can do it at 930, something like that. Setting up boundaries is huge. And then if you had a whole day to yourself, and I asked a couple clients this recently, moms with kids, if you had a whole day to yourself and you, you didn't have any responsibilities, what would you do? And that is a very loaded question because when you don't have answers for that, that's when people go, oh, wow, I don't really have a, a, a life of my own. I don't really do things for myself. So those are some questions that will help you craft like a starting place. And then you can take those pieces that you wrote down, like what would you do if you had a whole day to yourself? And if you make that list, then you kind of put, put yourself on the list and put those things on the list. Like I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to have lunch with that friend that I never see, or I'm going to take my own, you know, one of my three kids out for lunch just by themselves, whatever it is that you want to do, or I'm going to get to that yoga class that I've been dying to go to, but that's where you kind of start and gives you a chance to, to really dig into you and your internal, like Jane was saying, your intrinsic motivation is huge. And so hopefully that exercise helps you prioritize and gives you a roadmap. And it's, it's not hard, but it does take commitment and time and honesty. Yes, for sure. And it's funny that last one, I know there's been several times along the way where, you know, my husband and I have had a day to ourselves, right? The kids are out with a friend or they're at a friend's house once they get a little bit older and he's been home and literally the first couple of times, like, what do we do? 
like there was nothing like we had no idea who we were and what we were going to do without the kids in front of us and you know if you're doing that exercise and you know your husband's taking the kids for the day or something you get the whole day to yourself and your answer is sleep you have some really deep work to do and looking at how your day is 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 working and the schedule that you set and where you can move things around where you can take things away because you know that's a lot of parents that's the answer that they're going to have right and you really just need to take a deeper look at that because it's not how life should be it should be balanced and balanced that is right for you because again as women especially we pour from an empty cup we give everything we have to everybody around us and we leave nothing for ourselves so all right so maintaining motivation over the long haul right it can be very challenging after a few weeks the enthusiasm is going to fade we find ourselves slipping into old habits because you know there's a myth that you know it used to be 21 days to form a new habit and it's actually more like 64 days to form a new habit now just because of how busy society is and all the different dopamine hits that we're getting right um, boredom stress burnout feeling overwhelmed a lack of clear goals can lead to a lack of motivation practicing self-care changing your environment um, tuning or turning to others for inspiration can definitely help in maintaining motivation. So let's talk a little bit about some methods or practices that we have found to be the most successful um, in sustaining motivation throughout um, journeys to health goals. Who wants to share some insights into habit formation and kind of tips on how our listeners can turn their health goals into those small achievable daily wins? Okay, so I'll start. I just wanted to uh, step back to what I was talking about before about habit stacking. And I wanted to offer the audience uh, some really great books. There's one called Tiny Habits and there's one called Atomic Habits. And those have been game changers for me. I offer them to my clients, uh, you know, as I work alongside them with the health coaching um, as you know, health coaching and life coaching are intertwined, right? Because whatever affects your health is going to affect your life. And so they really appreciate those resources uh, alongside the coaching. And it's just something that you can read or you can go on Audible too. And they're fantastic. I like too that Tiny Habits has when you go, whether you buy the book or you go on their website, like they have an email list, a newsletter that you can sign up for. And it's literally like just a very simple tiny habit change, a little tip every day that comes into your inbox, you know, so it takes less than, right. you know, a minute or two to kind of read through that. So it just it helps to keep that motivation, but it's not something that takes a lot of time either. Kathy, how about yeah. you? <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I was kind of basing some of my um, ideas off of the habit stacking, excuse me, um, from Atomic Habits, because those, those books are definitely fantastic resources. Um, you know, replacing um, adding something good in instead of trying to remove something, um, having more fruit, you know, having fruit in the house instead of, you know, relying on that sugar fix, that candy bar. So having uh, fruit in the house or doing something like that to help you, you know, replace versus eliminate. Um, always start small. You know, if you want to, let's say, start walking instead of, you know, having a goal to walk a mile or walk for an hour, walk for 10 minutes, you know, do that for a few weeks until you're able to increase. Um, that's, you know, another one. And then again, with the habit stacking, you know, if you want to, when you're making your coffee and you're, you know, you're half asleep, 
have some, you know, have your glass of water there or your protein shake or whatever, you know, so that you are able to make that next best choice for your day without having to think about it. So those are a few ideas that I think work for me and work for a lot of my clients as well. Absolutely. And I know, like, I've had a client who, you know, she had asthma, she had a lot of health issues, she was overweight. And, you know, she was like, I can't, I can't even walk for five minutes. And I said, okay, let's walk around the block. Can you walk around the block? She's like, yeah, that's probably two minutes. So we did two weeks of her walking around the block. And just those small wins was enough to keep her motivated. And she's still walking today. You know, um, clients, one of the biggest things I see clients struggle with is giving up that soda. And, you know, I try to tell them, you know, go from soda to something like kombucha or go to, you know, just sparkling water instead of soda, like just make a small change that you can do for a couple of weeks. And then you realize, okay, this isn't so bad. And then you can move to something like mineral water with a little bit of fruit juice added or some fruit slices or something added if you still need the bubbliness, right? A lot of times that's what it's looking for is a little bit of sweet, but the bubbliness is, is what you know, has that habit for them. So well, that willpower comes in, Shannon, yeah. you know, is they have to have that willpower, but willpower, unfortunately, is a, a, a source that only lasts for so long. Yeah. Um, so grinding it down. So the, so the, the client who's wanting to get off soda, one of the best tips I give them is just don't have it in the house, you know, mm -hmm. have your soda when you're out, and then when you're at home, don't drink soda and see if they can do that leap or um, maybe just one day a week have soda or something like that at home and slowly not like grab it on the way home so that it's at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, willpower is something that you have to protect yourself. Your willpower only stands, you know, can stand so long. So if you're trying to give up sweets, then you probably don't want to go to the bake fair at the school, right? Or you don't want to be the person that's going down the aisle at the grocery store um, that's got all the sweets in it. You know, avoidance is a great way to not stress your willpower because eventually your willpower will wind down and then you have a decision and it's decision fatigue. And so it will renew itself on a daily basis. But when you really stress yourself out, you're, you're giving yourself, you're kind of, I guess the best word is that it's self-sabotage, right? If you're going to really press the button, how much willpower am I going to have today? You know, you're, you're kind of pushing the envelope on your own self. So don't put yourself in that situation, especially if you go out um, to, to parties and holiday events and things like that, that's where your willpower is really going to get um, tested. So maybe put some rules in place for yourself. Um, you know, I will have a dessert, one dessert, or I will have one alcoholic beverage, and then I am going to switch over to seltzer water. And there's a lot of people with the perception of, well, if I'm not drinking, somebody's going to think something's wrong, or they're going to want to offer me a drink. Then have a drink that looks like a drink. Put a lime and a lemon in it. You know, people don't necessarily know what you're drinking. And if that's part of it, you know, appearance-wise, then make it look like you are drinking. And I don't mean that in that you need to be you know, lying or pretending, but if that is what helped you get over that hurdle, that's what you need to do. Agree. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and, and that really comes down to, um, you know, we worry about what other people think of us. 
that's another internal look that's something that's going on inside of you whether it's from childhood or anything like that that you're not comfortable that other people may have negative thoughts about you and so that's another deep internal look i know when setting house goals a lot of my clients and i'm sure a lot of your clients like there's this whole journey that takes place and it's not just focused on their health goals like there's other things that are popping up as they're doing those internal looks and they're like oh my goodness that's where this stems from that's why i have this that this is why i struggle going through all of that so um it can be nice to do that when you do that deeper internal look so as we journey through life especially when striving to achieve our health goals um, the mind can either be our greatest ally or we can self-sabotage ourselves. That's where mindfulness and things like visualization come into play. Mindfulness, we've talked about before, it's the practice of being fully present, focused on the here and now without judgment of ourselves and not worrying about judgment from others, right? It can help us tune into our bodies, identify our needs, make conscious choices aligned with our health goals. And the visualization on the other side of that is it involves the using the power of the mind's eye, right? Like being able to picture the desired outcome that we have. Um, it's like creating a mental roadmap for success. I know I'm someone who, when I'm working on business goals, like I create mind maps. And that's something that I decided to do when I had my health issues, my hormones, as I decided to kind of put like a mind map together. So I had a visual of here's where I'm at here's what's happening, here's what I've lost the ability to do, but here's where I want to get back to. And here in between is what I have to do to get there, right? Um, and so just doing that, whether it's in your mind or you're putting it on paper, doing things like a vision board even, you know, I've suggested to clients to do a vision board before. A vision board doesn't have to necessarily be about the next house you want, the next car you want, right? It can be about you know, a picture of you playing with the kids out in the yard if it's something you're not usually doing, um, being able to walk or run a marathon, whatever it is, you can put those images up on a board. So Bobby, let's start with you. What are some other visualization or mindfulness techniques that our listeners can learn? I think there's two times a day that it's, at least for me, and I encourage my clients that it's a little easier to do visualization. One is before you get out of bed, and one as you're going to bed, because typically those are the most, I would assume, more quiet parts of your day. Um, and they also are times where people struggle potentially either wanting to not get out of bed or wanting to go to sleep. And visualization, when you can, like you said, actually visualize yourself, whether it's weight loss, whether it's you know a, a condition that you have, like a skin condition disappearing, whether it's just, you know, whatever your goal is, visualizing yourself already there really works with your brain. Like Jane was talking about neuroplasticity, it wires your brain and people kind of laugh and think, oh, you know, that doesn't really work. It does. Your brain is a malleable, changeable piece of organ, you know? And so when you put those tracks down in those paths, just like you would ride your bike a certain path to get to school, you're going to make this path in your brain. And the more your brain realizes, wow, I can visualize myself being 20 pounds lighter, um, you know, having the health that I want, being able to ride my bike and eat healthy foods and kind of taking all of the negative stuff. That's when you really can start to, to, to make changes in your health. And the other piece of it is you can use visual trackers. There's all kinds of trackers out there. Um, but I usually give my client a couple different type of trackers just to see what they like. But some of them are just fill in the box. Check today. Did you walk? 
Did you breathe? Did you do any journaling? Did you, you know, how many vegetables did you, you know, keep track of the vegetables that you had? Sometimes it's that simple, like your, your client with the two minute walking, just two minutes, just keep track, check it off, check it off. It's not hard. But when you see that up on the refrigerator or by your mirror or wherever you're going to post it, it, it's a visual reminder. And I think visualization is one of those techniques that potentially a lot of people had, didn't grow up learning about. I know they didn't really teach us a whole lot in school. And it seems to be something that you might do in a therapist's office, but really it's actually free and it's easy and you can visualize as much as you want. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, it's just those, those small changes. Visualization is, is just absolutely huge. Jane, what are some of your thoughts on that? Some of the thoughts I have are stemming from acceptance. So if you can accept and open fully to the reality that you're having difficulties with motivation instead of fighting it in your brain, I think that goes a long way because you can just explore the process in your brain and just release it, right? Let go of it. Another thing is to um, look, think about your daily routine. You it, introduce a daily routine for mindfulness practice as far, you know, you can, it sounds silly, but if you are brushing your teeth, again, here's good brushing teeth. Think to yourself, I am brushing my teeth or um, driving down the road. I am driving down the road. That's pretty important, right? To know. <laughs> um, just the simple things that you go through throughout your day, just being mindful of those and letting those other thoughts are trying to crowd out the mindfulness, let them fade away, right? Let them just work their way out, crowd them out with mindfulness. Again, what you ladies are talking about in terms of visualization, you can take visual pictures of yourself uh, in your mind's eye. It helps you imagine what the goal would look like to you completed and you know how good that will feel what it'll mean to you and to others uh, specifically you because you're the one mostly experiencing but it will impact others in some positive way and just try to picture that and see what it is that how impactful that can be and this and backtrack and take the steps to get there it's it's funny because you know you mentioned you know that just that routine for that mindfulness practice, right? And and the right. those thoughts that tend to kind of come at us when we're trying to be quiet and focus on one thought. I know when I first started learning about mindfulness and applying it in my life, it took me at least three weeks to be able to go a minute, a minute and a half without a bunch of thoughts just bombarding me, right? Like it was so difficult, but I knew, I understood how important it was. So I kept at it. And even if you're out of the practice of it, for a while to still be able to do that. It's again, having to retrain your brain that, you know, this stuff isn't important. You know, there's times when I'm sitting here concentrating on one thing and I have all these different thoughts coming at me. I literally have to close my eyes and visualize that I am in a room with barn doors and I have yelled at everybody to get out. They're not important at the moment and slamming those barn doors shut before my brain has peace and I can focus on what I need to focus on. So it's crazy just how our brain just works. And I always think of that movie um, about the emotions. I can't remember the name of it, but you know, like they have all the emotions in the brain and you know, they're talking to a little girl and, this, and it's, it, that's, that is my brain. I don't know about anybody else, but that is my brain. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kathy, what are some final thoughts on this from you? 
Yeah, I was. Um, I, I love Bobby's um, idea of the, you know, just having a little checkbox, you know, to have that. I did have a health tracking journal that you physically have to write it down, but that sounds so much simpler. Um, but another one is affirmations. There's actually um, some programs out there that you can actually record your own voice and so that you can listen to the, re-listen to them and telling yourself, you know, that I am beautiful. I am thin. I am, you know, I'm worthy of all these things. Um, so Think Up, I think, is one that you can actually record your own voice. But there's several others out there. I love Louise Hay. Um, there's one called Shine. There's also one for, called Grateful. So look up those daily affirmation programs or apps and, and get them going in your mind. So, you, you know, you just listen to it and it will help you get get that piece and, and uh, move to the next step in your health. So I think a final piece to this before we close out this episode is celebrating the wins, right? Even the tiniest of wins take the time and celebrate it, you know, find something, something that's going to keep you motivated and, and, and persevering um, through your health goals. What are some ways that you guys have talked with clients about celebrating those small wins? Kathy, how about you go? Sure. Um, I like to have people, you know, um, give themselves a day off, um, do something special for themselves, go to the spa, Go to the beach, you know, do something for yourself when you have accomplished those goals. But yeah, you've got to remember, you know, again, like you said, you know, we're women, we're always constantly giving everything away, but we never take care of ourselves. So just do something really special for yourself. Even um, if you're, you could even buy yourself a gift, um, a health tracker, like an aura ring, like Bobby has, or a piece of health equipment, you know, where you could work out at home, you know, something of that nature, either, like I said, either a day off, for yourself or buy yourself something special to help you achieve the next goal. I like that idea. I, I don't buy myself special stuff often, but I do love my aura ring. <laughs> um, I like to make sure I use different things, but I use an app called to do. I mentioned it before and I enjoy putting things on there. And I think sometimes I just put things on there just so I can check them off and hear the ding, but it's enjoyable. Um, and it's motivating when you can get through a day. And, and I think the biggest key with that is put things down that are realistic, that you can actually get done today. You know, your top three things, keep it just to two to three things, because then you feel like you win at the end of the day versus 10 things that, you know, you aren't going to get them all done, but you got to have them on the list because you can't forget, you know, and it's like, well, why don't you narrow that list down? Um, the other thing I would suggest people to do or is helpful is to find an accountability partner or a cheerleader, maybe is a better word, not somebody that's you're going to talk to that's going to fix your issue or to give you tips or advice, but just somebody that's like in your corner that you can say today, I blank, 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 you know, and it could be something to somebody else might seem very minuscule, but for you, it was a big win or even a little win. You know, I I walked the dog and I was able to get my child to school on time in the morning, you know, whatever it is. Um, And you can also record those in at least um, depending on what kind of cell phone you have, you can put them in a place in your phone, in your calendar. Um, And I like to go back and just be like, you know, when was the last time I, you know, took a hike and you can search that and you can see that you did it, you know, how many times in one month or something like that. Sometimes it's just looking backwards, you can actually see how far you've come. But if you don't take the time to do that, you're always going to feel like you're walking uphill. Absolutely. Jane? 
Yeah, and so this is, has to do with connecting with healthier resources and people. And as I moved through time and space with my health journey, I started to, to take notice of natural ways to address health issues as they arose. And, and then in doing so, I was working on more self-awareness through that whole piece, right? And so I learned to, instead of reaching for the latest and greatest uh, pharmaceutical something or other OTC over the counter type of whatnot, I stopped and I thought, no, I have something right here in my wellness toolbox that I can reach for. And I know it works and I don't need to go anywhere else and all that. So it's been very powerful for me. Yeah. So that's, that's why I tell my clients is just have the open mind in terms of all the options that are available to them. Great. You know, and, and I think it's important, like you said, Bobby, to make sure that it, it can be even just the tiniest thing, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, I work with a lot of clients who, you know, we're changing the way that they're eating. They're, they're eating a cleaner, um, cleaner nutrition, but they always go back to, you know, they're missing these different things or holidays coming up. And I tell them, okay, well, for instance, if it's soda, okay, you haven't had soda in two months, you've done really, really well. Go get a small one, you know, with your meal when you're eating out to dinner, right? And it's funny because a lot of people are like, why would, why would you tell a client to do that? Right? Like they just broke that habit, but it's amazing what happens when they go back to that. That's their win. That's their celebration. And they go, that tasted awful. Um, you know, they've, they've been without ice cream for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, they want to have a small ice cream or they're having ice cream at a party or something. They're like, ugh. I feel horrible for two days, right? So, you know, even if it comes to food and you're like, okay, at the end of two months or six weeks, I'm going to go and I'm going to get that ice cream. I'm going to warn you, that's it's fine. You can do that, but it's not going to be what you think it is, you know? And But that solidifies the habits that you have made and that gives you additional motivation for per persevering through that. So I want to give you just a quick quote um, for today's session. What self-acceptance does is open up more possibilities of succeeding because you aren't fighting yourself along the way. And that's a quote from Shannon Abels. Thank you, Bobby, for that. And as we close out this episode, of course, we have our North Star tip for you. Um, we hope that you have found inspiration with this episode. We all go through the whole New Year's resolutions and falling off after 30 days and everything. So we hope that you will take this information, what we've talked about, the tips we've given you and been able to apply those. Um, but remember, you have the power to set meaningful goals. You can overcome procrastination and turn those goals into lasting habits. Our North Star tip is embrace imperfection. Do not let perfectionism hold you back. The setbacks are a part of the journey, so don't be discouraged. Progress and not perfection is the key to success. Embrace those imperfections and view setbacks as opportunities to learn and grow. Okay, Ask yourself how you can adapt your approach moving forward. I'd like to extend our gratitude to the incredible panel of coaches that we have with us this week. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences. If you have any questions or you want to connect with any of our coaches, you can find their contact information in the show notes. We will have a link to our link tree. You can connect with any freebies that we have, you know, connect with our coaches on their websites and things like that. Thank you for being a part of the Wellness Wisdom community. We wish you a healthy, joyful, and fulfilling new year with growth, progress, and transformation. Until next season, stay well, 
stay motivated and take those small steps each day to create a healthier, happier you. Have a happy new year, everybody, from all of us here at Wellness Wisdom.